Welcome to Teen Talk, a podcast where Jewish teens from around the world can send in questions and we'll explore the answers right here on this platform. Visit our website, jewishteentalk.com, to send in questions for future episodes. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Jewish Teen Talk. We have been away for a while for the month of Tishrei, for the month of holidays, and we are so happy to be back this week, we have with us a special friend of mine, Amanda Spiro. Welcome. Hello. Amanda is, aside from being a good friend of mine, she is a world-renowned speaker. She shares about her journey through living with cancer and recovering and finding light. And she's inspired many, many audiences and many people around the world. She's also a college teacher helping young women as they transition into marriage. And we're very lucky to have her today. And the questions that have come in, which I think to myself when these questions come in, hold on, I don't have all the answers, but we're super lucky in this podcast to be able to have guests on our episodes who can share their experiences and insight with all of us. So we're really excited to have you, Amanda. Thank you so much. So our first question for this week is, how can I be real even in the presence of people who intimidate me? It's hard and I really want to be myself no matter when and who I'm with. So I think that's a great question. And I'm sure it resonates with so many people. And I know for myself personally, I always like to get very vulnerable. <laughs> and I know for myself, I always felt like a very confident person. However, I always noticed that when I was around certain environments and certain people, I felt a certain way. I had a certain vibe, a certain energy and other environments and other people, I felt a different way. And it was something I was very in tune to. I'm a very, very self-aware person, which I always say is a blessing and is a curse. And I'd leave whatever function, event, and I would realize I wasn't really truly myself. And it bothered me. And I always kind of like took a step back and I'm like, why wasn't I myself? What was I intimidated by? And I realized that when I felt safe, I felt safe. Hmm. And... I realized that I always wanted to feel this way because it was such a good feeling when I really truly felt like my true self was shining, my light. And so I actually did a lot of work on that. And I realized that it was a blessing because it made me realize that as confident as I thought I was, there's always so much work to do. And it forced me to go on this very spiritual journey of discovering myself and those areas that made me feel that way. I really realized that we all feel this way. It's a very, very common thing to feel this way. And I think the only way to get out of it is to truly connect to God, is to truly be in alignment with God. And I think when you're in true alignment, you're in alignment with yourself and your true light shines through. I really relate to what you're saying in so many ways. Like that literally describes so many of my years of like being a teenager and even as an adult. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you know, going to a certain going into a certain situation and then not being as confident as I am when I'm in a different situation. And then it's, I would also question like, hold on, what just happened to me? Like, why am I not myself in this environment? And no matter what I tried, I couldn't just break out of that shell and be me. And what you're saying when you're bringing in God, when you're bringing in Hashem is something that has really helped me tremendously as an adult. I actually wonder if it could have helped me when I, when I was a teenager. Something that I've heard is, you know, that a lot of times, let's say we'll do people pleasing. So I'm trying to please people around me. And so based on what I think they're going to think or they're going to feel, that's how I'll act. And instead of 
pleasing others, what's helped me a lot. Again, I wonder if it would be helpful as a teenager, but all our listeners will give me that feedback. I wonder if it would have helped what I do today is what I tell myself. The only one I need to please is God. Absolutely. And I think those, I think also we have to give ourselves some self-love and that we just have to accept that sometimes we're going to feel that way. We're not always going to connect with people. It's chemistry. We're not always going to feel our best self. It's normal. We have to let go of that control. I think it's a control thing I know for myself. And I think also the energy that you're meant to attract, essentially the people that you're meant to have in your life, you're going to have in your life. And those are the people that you're meant to make a difference in their lives. And so I think that for myself, because I'm in tune to this, I really try to be mindful that every situation I'm in to just try to let go and to truly try and be myself Hmm. and to ignore that background noise. Do you have like practical tips how to do that? Like if someone's in a room where people are so intimidating or they're sitting in a group or they're, they walked in and now there's that persona in front of them and it's like oh my gosh and then I revert you know into myself or however people react because the questioner is asking like what can Mm -hmm. I do when I'm in how can I be real wherever Mm -hmm. I especially in front of people who intimidate me right so I think you also need to be comfortable sometimes just being quiet and with yourself I know for myself that when I feel those feelings it's not necessarily revealed to everyone else. I just feel uncomfortable in those moments. So I try to take those moments to just be like, this is okay. And kind of do that self-talk of this is okay. For whatever reason, I don't connect with these people. Personally, I have a lot of friends that aren't religious. I'm very connected to the non-religious world. And so sometimes I catch myself in situations where I'm like, wow, we really are different. And I don't necessarily feel 100% comfortable, but that's okay. Because I'm so proud of who I am. So it makes sense that I feel this way. And I just accept the moment and I let it go. Right. We're not like, we're not always going to feel completely comfortable, but I think exactly what you said is this idea that the only person we should be intimidated by is God. And I think we always need to work on trying to be our best selves, which is building this healthy relationship with God, which is nurturing this secure sense of self completely aligning ourselves with God and doing what we need to do, finding our light, finding our purpose, and just focusing on that. Right. And if I'm finding my purpose, and I'm comfortable with who I am, then I won't be as intimidated by others. If I know I'm doing the right thing, I'm connected to the right source, I'm connected to myself, the more I connect with God. And it's exactly what you're saying. And I'm I wanted to I want to refer back to episode 17 with Ida Schottenstein, where Mm -hmm. she had also spoken about this, where she was talking about the idea that accepting that this is going to happen. And so being okay, like from what I was understanding from what you're saying is like being okay with the fact that maybe when I'm among certain people, it triggers me or whatever is happening in that moment, I am going to dot, 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 and not Mm -hmm. fighting that reality. Mm -hmm. Because it's normal. I mean, even adults who are really sure of themselves. And I mean, I experienced this the other day where I went to a certain function and there was an older woman who walked in and she looked me up and down with like that stare. Up until that moment, I was fine. And it was actually like with lots of other women. And I made the choice. I'm wearing my sneakers. I'm not up to heels. But she did this like, you know, that look like the up and down look. And my insides were like, 
obviously I started thinking like, oh my gosh, am I dressed wrong? What's up? So even me who was like confident in what I was wearing, it did have a, have an effect on me, even, even though, even though I was able to bounce back after a bit and realize this is her being uncomfortable. This has nothing to do with me. Like she's projecting it, but like I'm 36 years old and I'm working through something like that after years of working on myself. And like you said, going closer to Hashem, to myself. So Amanda, if you and I were to put ourselves into the shoes of when we were teenagers, what advice, what practical tips can we give to someone who is asking, what do I do? What do I do when I'm in front of people who I feel intimidated by? And all I want to be is myself. So I think it's so important not to compare yourself to anyone else from a very spiritual place to really trust that you have exactly what you need to have to shine your light. And you're not like anyone else but yourself. And also just accept that you're on a journey. We're all on a journey and we're always growing. Actually, sometimes we take a few steps back to move a few steps forward, right? And only Hashem knows where we're holding. So I think we have to learn to just really be present. I find being present for me is also a super helpful tool. I think that when we're truly present in whatever we're doing, there's nothing else around us. So for example, going to a wedding. You might have these people that are looking you up and down. You might feel a certain way. Maybe you feel like your dress is too tight or your shape is too long. So what I try to do is I try to get out of that Mm. by connecting with someone at the wedding. So let's say I saw you at the wedding. I'd be like, Bashi, come, let's go have a drink. How are you doing? How's your podcast doing? And I'd really try to connect with you and be present in that moment so that all those ugly thoughts kind of disappear. That's really cool. And for those out there, those teenagers on Jewish Teen Talk who are not wearing shaitals yet, who don't wear wigs, because we we kind of get hyper-focused on that person that's intimidating me. And now all I'm focused on is like how I'm going to either present myself in front of them. And that becomes everything. But what you're saying, Amanda, is, okay, maybe someone in front of me is intimidating, or they're looking me up and down, whatever they're doing to intimidate me, or they're just being them. Um, But then focus on maybe someone in the crowd, someone in that room, someone you know that you do connect with and you do feel better around. And that will ease that pressure, whatever expectations, whatever triggers are coming up in the moment. Right. I think also it's important that when those situations present themselves where we feel intimidated by others, we also need to take a step back and say, why is this bothering me? For example, the sneakers at a wedding. Why is this bothering me? Should I have been wearing heels? Should I have been wearing tights? Should I have been doing this? And maybe it's a sign. And it's not such a bad thing, right? And yes, it's their thing that they're looking you up and down. It's their own personal baggage that they have to work through. But if it's affecting you, it's also your baggage. You can't always blame others. You have to really take those as signs to look inwards. And I think when we really want to strive to live our best lives and to really connect and to really be so confident, we have to do so much work to get to that place. Because I think everyone in some shape or form has a little bit of intimidation. So we need to be able to work through that. Wow. And, you know, exactly what you're saying. Um, we learn from actually from Perkei Ethics mm-hmm. of Our Fathers. The only way I know it is because I'm looking at the source right now. I can't quote <laughs> these. Um, chapter two, verse number four is when the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, who actually was the founder of the Hasidic movement, he taught, and I'm reading this from Chabad.org. That's, I always tell people I sound smart because of Chabad.org. It's my go-to. <laughs> 
So this is, and I'm, and I'm reading this. Your fellow is your mirror. If your own face is clean, the image you perceive will also be flawless. But should you look upon your fellow man and see a blemish, it is your own imperfection that you are encountering. You are being shown what it is that you must correct within yourself. And, you know, mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge that the questioner, whoever sent in this question, sounds very self-aware, very in tune with themselves and with who they are and what they are. And the, the, the fact that it bothers you that when you're in a certain situation with people intimidate you, you're not being real with them or yourself. That shows a lot of just strength of character and a lot of qualities in you. And the fact that you wrote it in is, is if anything, proving that this is something that bothers me and this is something I want to work on. And I mm-hmm. think that's why it's such an important point that you're bringing up, Amanda, the fact that when I feel something inside me or something keeps coming up that I, that someone else is triggering, they say, mm-hmm. you know, when you point your fingers, when, when your, a finger is pointed at someone else, yes, it's their fault, their fault, but there's three fingers pointing back at me when I'm pointing at someone. So mm-hmm. what, so I don't think it means what's wrong with me. Why do I, the idea is, and this is actually in the 12 steps, what I've learned is that it's asking myself, what is coming up for me every time I'm in front of this person? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I explore that and I bring it up and I talk about it with a trusted adult with, I mean, the, the last episode my husband mentioned in one of the episodes about Mashpia, I don't remember which one, but just about having a mentor, somebody to discover this with or a therapist, anyone really who can help me figure out what is it that triggers me? What's coming up every time I'm in front of this person? And again, mm-hmm. it may still come up. Like I remember mm-hmm. when I was in therapy and I said, okay, I discovered a trigger and now it's going to be gone. And she's like, no, it's probably going to come up each time. There are always new triggers. <laughs> but it's but it does get less intense when we can recognize, okay, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to this girl's house or I'm going to see this person and I'm going to feel triggered and I'm going to revert back to myself. Mm-hmm. But like you said, being kind to ourselves through that process. Right. I think also what I've noticed for myself that when I'm in a low point in my life, everything triggers me and I'm not as confident as I normally am. And I'm very affected by my environment. And so I know for myself, of course, I'm sure everyone connects to this, that we always feel better when we're happy. So I really try so hard as much as possible to really be the simcha wherever I can. And to, and I know that when I'm happy at true happiness, true inner happiness, I'm not as affected by anything around me. Like things that normally trigger me don't trigger me anymore because I'm just on such a high. So because I know that I always strive for that. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of inner work. I sometimes say to my husband, I'm exhausted from all this work, but I know it pays off. Yeah. And I know it's so, so important, you know, and, you know, people are always searching for happiness, you know, but true happiness comes from within and it's doing that hard work. And when we're happy, nothing affects us. And it's interesting. You're saying the word happy for me. Happiness was always like being happy, like smiling and, but happiness is just a result. And I'm quoting the 12 steps here. It's a result of being at peace with myself. So happiness is if I'm at peace with myself and I'm recognizing and I'm not fighting the reality, like this is what's happening again, I'm going back to who I, you know, not, 
I'm not really being me. And, you know, I feel very intimidated. And just being okay with what is, we can be compassionate towards ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I did want to bring up also what you were talking about comparing myself to others. So I compared myself to others for years and years and years, especially being brought up, especially having a twin sister. Mm. Although we were, were fraternal and we're very different, we were never even in the same class, like not necessarily, nobody around me was comparing us, but I was constantly comparing myself. And it was like, if she had certain traits or qualities, I could not have that. Like it was very black and white. I find as teenagers, like in that stage, and I'm looking back when I was, things are very black and white. Right. As I grew older and it started becoming a little bit more gray, like, oh, she's funny. I'm funny too. Yeah. It didn't have to be a contest. And what I realized and I heard actually was so powerful. I heard the Rebbe say that not only when we compare ourselves to others, like we're expecting to have their traits or their qualities, but the Rebbe actually says that if we were to have that person's talent, it would not help us accomplish our mission in this world. It would hold us back. And mm-hmm. when I did that, it was such a neat, it was amazing that thought and that idea in the sense that whatever I have, whatever God's given me is because this is what I need to accomplish my mission in this world. Mm-hmm for a mission and if somebody else has maybe they seem intimidating because they're more confident they're louder they're more fun and when I start comparing myself that way then I'm not as you know exciting as them or whatever I'm comparing to but I don't need to be Mm -hmm. because my mission is um you know because I'm not that loud and you know I actually have time to focus on people who are left out because I'm not entertaining everyone like that idea is really really powerful too absolutely um also i just wanted to share something if there's any baltuvas that will be listening is i think an area where many people could feel intimidated also is that when you're on this journey of becoming from and now you kind of have to step away from the life that you once had and you'll constantly be in these situations these very uncomfortable situations And you really need to be confident in order to push through. And I know for myself, when I get in those situations, and I've been from for almost 15 years, I believe, I'm still in those situations. Actually, my best friend in the entire world, she just threw a crazy birthday party for her husband. And I obviously couldn't go. It was at a non-kosher restaurant. Music, I believe it was even during the Omer. And I just know I couldn't go. And thank God she obviously understood. But there was like that voice in the back of my head. Like people are going to be like, where's Amanda? Isn't that Lindsay's best friend? Like, where is she? And I kind of just knew I was getting in my head. And I took a step back and I said, I truly believe that I'm doing the right thing. And that is being in alignment with God, that I'm doing God's will and God's going to take care of me. And that breeds confidence. When you're doing the right thing, you just feel good about what you're doing. So we should always be in this place of just becoming and more connected and just doing what we need to do. And I think when we're also busy, I think as a Lubavitcher, as a from person, we have a lot of responsibility and we have so much to do. I think also when we're busy and doing what we, what sparks joy, we really have true happiness that we know we're really living our purpose And that gives us confidence. And even that feeling of feeling needed and wanted, you know, that Mm -hmm. 
purpose. Like I'm here for a reason. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just to wrap up the question, I, um, how or what do I do when I feel intimidated by others and I am not being myself? I want to be myself no matter when and who I'm with. So Amanda and I were acknowledging that there are going to be situations in life and and as self-aware and as much work as we do on ourselves, we're always growing. So there are going to be situations where I'll feel intimidated or I don't feel like I'm being myself. And those moments are opportunities to take a step back and to recognize, okay, hold on. Yes, this person is has these certain qualities or things that intimidate me, but that means that something's happening inside myself. And so it gives us an opportunity and we we're saying how the Baal Shem Tov said that it's a mirror of what's going on inside me. And so then we have this opportunity to reach out to a trusted adult, a mashpia, a mentor, a therapist, a teacher, a parent to explore what keeps coming up for me in front of this person or these people each time I'm with them. If anybody has feedback, has questions about this specific topic or any topics, really, you can send it in anonymously, jewishteentalk.com. And we are getting to questions as they come. So hang tight. And the next question for today is, how do I make everyday activities meaningful? So this is something that's very important to me. I really just try to bring godliness into everything I do. From the moment I wake up, I'm very, very intentional. I'm very calculated. I try to wake up extremely early. I'm very much like we discussed early about nurturing my secure sense of self and taking care of myself. And from the moment I wake up, I really actually, from the night before, I really like to plan what my day is going to look like the next day. And I also like to kind of, you know, sometimes visualize what it will be as well. And sometimes there might be difficult situations that might present themselves. And I try to kind of get like geared up for them so that I'm ready mentally physically to do so. So, you know, I always say this answer is really in the Torah, right? That if we live a life of Torah, Torah is our GPS, that's what's really going to enrich us and make our lives so much more meaningful. So as a Belchuba, this is something that I'm still doing every single day. From the second I wake up and I say Moda'ani and I focus on gratitude, which I actually learned actually from one of your first times that you spoke. I remember you sharing that this is the first, this is the most special bracha to the Rebbe. And it became that much more special to me. After that, just like everything that I do, even things that are a little bit mundane, you know, part of my work that I don't always share is that, you know, I do tax consulting with my husband that no one really knows because it's not so exciting. And it's very robotic, but I try even then to try, try and bring godliness into that and to try and find meaning and to try and find purpose. And I really just try to, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. And when I was sick, I started an organization that's called Amanda's Live, Laugh and Learn. And I really try to live my life this way, which is live like each day is your last, laugh with all your heart and soul, even in times of adversity and learn from everything and everyone around you. So it's very important to me. I actually, if anyone that follows me on Instagram, every morning I have my cup of coffee. That's very important. And I always put like a little quote or a little something about make today count. That every day should count. And every day is so, so precious. 
And I really just try to like map out my day and really live a life of design of doing things that really fill up my cup and that I enjoy. And of course, there's always things that I don't enjoy that I have no choice. Or sometimes, you know, the children can be challenging, life can be challenging. But again, I think that if you're constantly working on yourself and building yourself up, you're quick to deal with any challenge that comes your way, even those very dark moments in life. So, you know, I know I'm not in control. God's really, you know, in control of it all. Um, But I try as much as possible to kind of create a day for me that has so much meaning, knowing that anything can come up. But I really just try to, from the second I wake up, to just bring godliness into everything I do and to be very, very intentional and to be very mindful, you know, every time I eat, to say a bracha and to not just say it robotically, but to actually think about what I'm saying and to meditate on that. You know, when I wake up in the morning and I do my prayers, I, you know, do my deep breathing. I do a little bit of meditation and I really try to get to that space. I actually wake up much earlier than my kids in order to be able to do this. Cause I know so many mothers talk about this or even young girls, you know, I'm so busy and I'm rushing to go here and to go there. And I said, we shouldn't rush this. This isn't something to rush. This is how we start our day. We have to wake up a little bit earlier. We have to set time for it to make it happen. So I really try so hard to make things happen that are important to me. I really try and set myself goals and to think of things that are non-negotiable for me, that I need to do this, that, you know, especially because I was very ill and I really wasn't feeling well. It's so important to me also physically to feel good. So, and I know that when we take care of our body, we're so much more in tune to our soul, right? Because sometimes the body is such a distraction. So I try so hard to exercise as much as I can, which is really for my mind and to make me feel strong and to feel good. Again, to be able to do what we need to do because we really have such a big responsibility to do so much. Wow, Amanda, this is why I asked you the question. I asked you to come on Jewish Teen Talk. Um, just hearing your experience, your strength, your hope, what you've been through, what you know, the way that you live your life is such an inspiration. I mean, to me and and um, to all of our listeners, really, I'm sure that just hearing also how practical it is and how how possible it is to bring meaning into a day. I also want to um, just remark how very mature this questioner is. Um, you know, I read some questions sometimes that come in and I think, whoa, I don't know that I would have asked that at, at as a teenager. So just this question, the fact that it came in and as adults, people question this or when they get older and they're getting closer, you know, to their old age. And the fact that you're asking this as a teenager is uh-huh. tremendous. Um, right. And I don't know if it's coming from because the questions that come in are anonymous. I don't know if it's coming from a place where I don't feel like life is worth living and I feel like there's no meaning in my life because I've heard that from others too. Or if this is just, you know, a question of, look, how do I make activities meaningful? Uh-huh. So just, I want to address the point that, I just want to address the point that I just said that my life doesn't feel like it has any meaning. And I've unfortunately visited young teenagers in the psych ward who attempted to take their life, who tried to overdose. And so what comes to mind, two things, 
first of all, what comes to mind is a very famous psychoanalyst that actually there's a whole story with the Rebbe that the Rebbe sent a woman to Vienna to tell Dr. Frankel that he should continue with his work because what he was researching and developing was um, actually very revolutionary and people were pushing against it. His whole, um, in 1959, Viktor Frankl's book came out, which was called Man's Search for Meaning. And then there was another book that came out, which was Man's Ultimate Search for Meaning. And it's interesting that the Rebbe saw that this was a doctor who had lived through the Holocaust. And that's where he developed these thoughts and these research. And he, you know, researched people who had lived through the war where they had nothing to live for. They were stripped of everything from, you know, the clothes on their back to their loved ones, to their home. Everything that you could define as something that a person would identify with was really taken away from them. And Viktor Frankl saw people who survived the Holocaust and they were still, they still had meaning in life. And he was so curious what kept them going. And so that's where he developed all his work around meaning in life to this whole generation. What he was really introducing was this whole idea of what gets people to wake up, especially after God forbid, they saw people shot in front of them and people who were in the Holocaust. And so his, um, his conclusion was that when we have a higher purpose, when we have a reason to wake up, a reason to keep going, then, and I'm, I'm saying it very short, you know, obviously there's a lot more in, into it, but the idea that when we have a, like a mission or a purpose or we're needed, then that will keep us going. And so for some people in the Holocaust, it was their love for music and they couldn't wait to sit at a piano again. Another one, it could have been, you know, being reunited with their loved ones, you know, and that's what kept them going throughout. It could have been somebody who wanted to become a mathematician. And so they were did not give up on that dream. So um, where I'm going with this is that because maybe our listeners are thinking, well, I'm not, God forbid, in a war, I'm not in a Holocaust. But when we're talking about a, on a daily basis, developing meaning in our activities, I'm going to give the floor to Amanda, because I feel like you have, you know, the golden answer here, especially based on your experience. Um, what so that maybe I'm making this a question, like what, how can I if I'm not, God forbid, living through a Holocaust, or I'm not trying to end my life because I find there's no meaning. How do I make it meaningful? So I think it's like what you were saying that excited to wake up. Like I said, I always plan my day. I actually plan my week, even my months, to be honest, <laughs> in advance. And I always get excited to wake up. I always have something to look forward to. And I think it's always important, no matter what we're going through in life, to always have things to look forward to. So even something as simple as, you know, you have a day that's filled with things that you don't necessarily want it to be filled with. You have a doctor's appointment. You have to go to school. Your students that you're working a lot with, you know, they have a lot of, you know, projects and reports and all these things that they need to do. And it could be very stressful. And they wake up thinking like they're already tired from the second they woke up. Like I have so much to do today. And how am I going to tackle this all? So I think that even just having one thing on your day, on your to-do list, that sparks joy, that excites you. It could be a phone call with a friend. 
at a break. It could be going to a yoga class. It could be, oh my God, tonight I'm going to take a hot bath and I'm just going to relax with like spa music, something every single day that you're excited about. And I think it's also important. I really believe that we need more quiet in our life, not just on Shabbos, but we have to bring Shabbos into our everyday. That I know for myself, before I got sick, I was just this energizer bunny, just kept on going and going. And I realized that when I took a deep breath, when I got sick, since then, I'm really trying even more so now to have more quiet moments in my life. Because I think we need those quiet moments to do that inner work, to nurture ourselves. If we're constantly going, we don't have time to do it all. I know for myself, there was a period of time where I was doing all these things, especially during COVID, all this self-care stuff, right? But I realized that I wasn't necessarily focusing on myself. I was just doing all these things. So that's where we need the quiet time or to be mindful when we're doing all those things to be introspective and Mm -hmm. to really go inwards. So I think that's really important. Um, Also, something that I do every day that I find really helpful is I have the five minute journal, which is such a it's so in alignment with Torah, right? This attitude of gratitude, but sometimes we don't necessarily do it. So I find this book really helps me and I open it every single day and every single night. And I think of three things that I'm grateful for and I set my intentions for the day. I find that extremely helpful. And I actually started doing gratitude with my daughter before I put her to sleep. My older son goes to sleep on his own. My baby's pretty easy to put down, but my Miriam really needs that TLC before she goes to sleep. So every night we think of three things in her day. And sometimes she has a hard day and she's like, mommy. And I'm like, Miriam, think of something good. And that's the idea that the Rebbe always pushed us to see the good in every situation. So I think it's important to make those times in our day when we wake up, before we go to sleep, before we say Shema, to really think of all the good in our life and the things in our life that we don't like, that we don't want, we need a plan of action to get rid of it, (laughs) you know, or to learn how to cope or to learn how to work with it. I think it's really, really important. So we're on this journey where it's exciting. Like we all know that we have so much work to do. We should never place where we feel like we're settled and we're fully where we have to be. We know if we're in this world, we keep on talking about purpose. We have a purpose. Yeah. And, and it's so practical, the ideas that you're sharing and so doable. I love how you're even starting it at such a young age with your little daughter, because Mm -hmm. when it's kind of like a muscle. So if we keep using that muscle, you know, it won't be as difficult after a while. And it just becomes second nature to be able to look out for gratitude. Um, I really want to encourage our listeners to listen back to episode 13 with Nechama Labor, where she works through a grow method, which is starts off with gratitude. And it actually mm-hmm. is, I I want to end off with the Moda'ani prayer. So mm-hmm. mentioned, Amanda, a lot of mindfulness and being present in our lives. And if we want to incorporate meaning into our daily life, it's about taking that quiet time for ourselves. It's about discovering what today, what little tiny thing will be meaningful to me. And sometimes for me, it's a cup of coffee. Sometimes for me, it's just, I don't know, reading something that a sibling wrote, and now I feel connected. So it could be something very, very small. And I really do want to talk to our listeners out there who are, who might be struggling with suicidal ideation or I don't have a reason to live. I don't even see meaning in anything. And I want to tell you that you're not alone. 
And I also want to encourage you to reach out again, whether it's a trusted adult, a professional, um, you mm-hmm. can write to Jew- on Jewish Teen Talk as an anonymous, you know, teenager that I'm struggling with with this. And that's what it, that's what Jewish Teen Talk is here for, a podcast, but it's also a platform for Jewish teens to feel heard and validated and supported. And I want to end off with my Da'ani, like you said, the Rebbe's favorite prayer. And so mindfulness actually is our biggest gift as Jews. Why? Because when my 12-step sponsor in Emotions Anonymous suggested that I practice mindfulness first thing in the morning, she said, Bashi, try to find a meditation. So I'm trying to find one. And what am I going to do? Google? Am I going to go to YouTube, Spotify? And sure enough, I realized I had this like awakening, like we have it as Jews. And so that's when I really started to realize like, hey, Moda'ani, like I totally took it for granted, or I hoped that I remembered to say it. But then my husband shared with me this brilliant take on Moda'ani, and I'll share it now. So Moda'ani is the word Moda, the word gratitude before I. So before recognizing, yes, we have to have a healthy I and a healthy, like a healthy ego. But before that, It's all about the fact that I'm recognizing, I'm acknowledging first thing in the morning, even before we wash our hands, that I'm only here right now because there's a higher, like they say in the 12 steps, a higher power. There's something greater than me that brought me back to life, that woke me up. And Mm -hmm. then comes the I, because we need a healthy sense of self. And the only way we get that is by acknowledging that God is the one who gives that to us. So Moda'ani. I'm acknowledging that God is everlasting. There's never going to be another king. He's You returned my soul to me. And I, I can share that watching a parent who was very sick slowly with slowly go to the world of truth. Um, when the body completely shuts down, it was very clear to me in that in those moments that the soul was in her body, in my mom's body, and shows she was still alive. So the fact that God gave us a soul in the morning means that I'm alive. And I actually couldn't say Madani for many months after my mom passed, because it's acknowledging God took her soul and he gave me mine back. But going back mm-hmm. to the prayer itself, so we say, you returned my soul to me. And then, means with mercy. That means even if I'm not deserving of my soul today, even if I try to take my life, God forbid, and I know people who try, or I just don't feel like I'm deserving, like I'm doing stuff that I'm not supposed to be doing, I'm on my phone on Shabbos, I'm hiding it, I'm smoking, I'm vaping, I'm, I'm hanging out with guys, whatever reason, maybe I believe I shouldn't be back in this world today, God restored my soul to me. And the last two words, Rabba emunasecha mean, why did he give me back my soul right now? Because he believes in me. God mm-hmm. believes that no matter what I've been through, no matter what I did, no matter what I said, today with this soul that he's given me and he renewed it, it's like a whole new day, a whole new soul, a whole new opportunity, a whole new life. I am going to do the best with what I have and I'll just do my best. And that's all he wants from us. Amanda, I want to thank you so, so much for joining us this week on our podcast. 
And I, I've learned so much in my own life. I love how you said, you know, personally to incorporate a little tiny activity or something that is meaningful to me. I've taken that as a takeaway today. And I hope that our listeners have as well. And Thank you for listening and please tune in next week for our brand new episode.